I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore. FM 104. It's Cormac here on Room 104. Now, you might have seen the Laughter Lounge, obviously one of the biggest and best comedy clubs in Dublin. They've been very bold. They're having a dark comedy night. They're having a dark night where they're letting their comedians off the leash and not worried about getting themselves in any sort of trouble. Penning it as a politically incorrect uh, comedy night and make with that what you will. You can head on over to their website right now and get more details about how you can stream it and download it. But joining me now is one of the acts from um, that evening, an incredibly funny, like uh, an incredibly funny comedian. Um, he's produced, he has wrote, he has done uh, gigged all over the world. And strangely, he moved from New York over to Europe, which we need to talk about that because usually comedians do that the other way around. But Tamar Katan, sir, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Very kind of you. No worries at all. I mean, the Laughter Lounge, one of the biggest and best clubs in Dublin. It's always a, a rip roar night. But um, they just they take such good care of us comedians, and uh, there's not enough clubs that that are at their level in terms of how they are off stage too. So they're great. Yeah, and they've been they've been one of the leading clubs trying to figure out how to do comedy during lockdowns and how to figure out you know what what to do and to keep comedians working and to keep the place ticking over as well. So it's great. Now I do want to chat about the the comedy night that's they've just announced and that they'll be releasing. But you have an incredibly interesting uh, incredibly interesting life, and I've been watching some of your comedy and it's it's phenomenally good. I was watching it jealously jealously earlier on, going, "Damn it, he's getting so many jokes in there, man! What a dickhead!" <laughs> I was just like. How is he doing it? But you, um, as I said, you moved from New York over to Europe to gig over here. And I know so many Irish comedians and English comedians who've done the exact opposite because they want to break America. But like, why? Yeah, why is a great question. You know, I think that, that I think... America's done some fabulous PR. I mean, we keep saying that we're number one, even though nobody claims to be number two. Like, I, I, it's like we, we're in this contest that nobody entered, that, but that we're the champions <laughs> of. It's bizarre. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, when you look at things like Squid Game on Netflix, that it's a reminder that great stories can come from anywhere. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't, it's not owned by Hollywood. It's not owned by American comedians. I, the way I look at comedy now is the way I looked at basketball in the Olympics in the 90s, where, you know, America just invented it. So it was a little bit ahead of everyone else. And America would have games where we'd win 160 to 12 against Bulgaria, you know, but now we're losing to Eastern European countries. And I think that's the accurate measure at this point now is now everybody knows how to play the game. The Irish are phenomenal storytellers. Everyone in every culture, comedy is not owned by any one nation. So I don't 
see how any one place can call themselves the best when, you know, it, it's an art form that is universal and human. I don't think you can use geographic lines to yeah. define where the best comes from. Uh, how has life been? How long have you been over this neck of the woods and how long have you been in Europe? Man, I, I'll tell you this. I, I hate that uh, the best time in my life was during this pandemic. It's a, uh, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> you know, I feel it's been very hard for, for me in some ways, but it's been the greatest two years of my life. Like, um, I wasn't just single. I was single with an exclamation mark. No one wanted to date me. I was like the, the terrible rescue animal that nobody wanted to take home. And, uh, I was on a dating app when I was in New York because we were quarantined and New York is awful when you're stuck inside those tiny right, apartments. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just did what psychologically I think my body needed, which was to leave. Um, even though I couldn't leave New York physically, I could leave psychologically. And there was a dating app called Bumble. It had a feature called Passport. So I put myself where I was meant to be that summer, which was Barcelona. And I, I met a there who was super funny, just made me laugh my ass off and had a tattoo on her forearm that said, it's great to be the king, which is a quote from a Mel Brooks movie that I absolutely loved. And so her and I started speaking just like I would on a normal dating app, but because it was a quarantine, we ended up chatting five, six hours a day and wow. absolutely fell in love with her. She and I both had COVID and recovered already. And she was in Barcelona alone in this apartment because her flatmates had moved back to Germany to quarantine there. So she had this great idea where I'd fly to Barcelona and stay in the extra room and we'd get to know each other over the summer. Um, I had a piece of paper from the physician saying I'd recovered and had zero uh, uh, possibility yeah, of infecting yeah. anyone. But when I got to Barcelona, they said the law changed and they put me in jail and made me spend the night in jail. What? Yeah, man. Insane. Absolutely insane. They, they were apologetic about it. They said, we're sorry. You just, they took away my passport. They put me in jail. And uh, the next day they took me onto a plane with police escort, Shut handed up. my passport to the flight. I mean, everybody on the plane was looking at me like I was Hannibal Lecter. It yeah. was crazy. And then they sent me back to America and I didn't want to give up and, and neither did she. And I started doing research on where we could meet. And because my dad was in a Beatles cover band when I was in <laughs> Egypt, a little kid, sounds crazy. Imagine the Beatles sung with an Arabic accent in English. <laughs> <laughs> Me sell my bell. <laughs> but because of that, I knew all these random facts about John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And I knew they got married in Gibraltar and it was a tiny country. Uh. So I looked it up. It was green and they were allowing Americans in and it was technically on Spanish soil. So very close to her. She flew down. We met. And the day we met, I asked her to marry me. Shut up. No, you didn't. Swear to God. I swear to God. And we got we got married in a couple of weeks because it took two weeks for her birth certificate to arrive from Sweden because even DHL was delayed because of COVID. Yeah. So we we lived on Gibraltar for two for two weeks, got married walked across the border and then uh, moved to Barcelona. Tamara, that's, that's all too happy. I was waiting for the comedic ending where it was like, turns out she was a serial killer and I was trapped for nine months in a basement somewhere in, in Barcelona. That's ridiculous. If you, want the sad, if you want the sad part, I just came back from an 11 day tour. I got home. We were going to have sex, but she wasn't in the mood. 
<laughs> they were like, yeah, it was a beautiful romantic story. And then it's the same human things. It's like, I'm not in the mood tonight. Go, go sort yourself out downstairs. Wow. Jesus, that's amazing. So yeah, pandemic. I think it kicked a lot of people up the arse to kind of say, you know, make the change you're going to make now because living in a tiny room uh, isn't too good. But that's ridiculous, man. As I said, um, you're, you're gigging with the laughter lounge for their dark night. Um, I suppose, what is your take on dark comedy and dark humour because I and I think a lot of Irish people I think we do like it we do love it and I remember chatting to a friend of mine who just she just said it off the cuff she was like dark comedy is better because it deals with the real stuff you know what I mean and, and and she kind of put it that way I was like yeah it kind of does and even though people might think of it as inappropriate it's broaching those difficult experiences and I know everyone has a, a different view of it but what, what is your take on let's say dark comedy and, and the political quote unquote in, uh, incorrectness or political correctness in comedy at the moment well, I, I don't think it's it's a coincidence that the things that cause the most trouble in the world are the things that we talk about least, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's we don't talk about religion, we don't talk about politics, we don't talk about this and that. And those are the things that cause the most problems. It almost seems like talking about things is a solution. Like calling dark comedian comedians dark who talk about dark things is like calling firefighters lovers of fire who put out fires. Yeah. We actually shed light on dark things. It's the people who don't want to talk about dark things who are actually dark. You know, yeah. like I, I actually studied social psychology when I was in university and no one knows why we laugh, but there are, there are hypotheses. And one of my favorite hypotheses and probably the one that's most talked about is there was a time, this anecdotal, uh, notion of where laughter comes from. There was a time when a bunch of cavemen were sitting around a fire, all living a very uh, stressful life because they could die at any minute. And they were sitting around a fire in a moment of rest, about to eat together. And they heard a rustling in the bush and they all tensed up. And when that tension happened, a rabbit jumped out of the bush and then laughter started. Hmm. And I think those are, that's the architecture of comedy. There's tension and then release. And if you don't have things that create tension, you don't really have release. And so it is a sensitive time and people do care about how things make them feel. But I don't think it's that comedy has become darker or that comedy has become more rude or, or more inappropriate or comedians are more alpha or more bullies. It's not, I think people are more sensitive. And so I, I think it's a, it's a tough course that we have to navigate now. We can walk a tight wire, but that's our job as comedians. We're, we're not a battering ram. We're a Trojan horse. We're still going to fight. We still have soldiers inside that horse, but it has to look like a gift on the way in. And I think we, you know, because of clubs like Laughter Lounge and because of events like this, it gives us the opportunity to practice building our Trojan horses. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the things that feel dark create lightness. And it is a gift once we get past those doors. Do you think um, certain people are able to talk about certain topics a little bit uh, easier? Or do you think you should have skin in the game, for want of a better word? You do. Uh, I've seen some of your jokes on UV, you know, Muslim Jewish background. So it gives you license to go to town on that like and I, I've done stuff before on you know you're being Catholic or Irish in our drinking culture and do you think it's you know some people may cross those lines and it might feel a little bit jarring but from you know is is it better to, to, to kind of I don't want to say stay in your lane but maybe kind of stick to what you know and is that where problems come or what's your take on people talking about stuff they might not have experience with? Sure. I mean the way I look at it is 
before I got into comedy, I worked in advertising. And, and for me, the best advertising when someone was speaking to millions of people at the same time is if it was authentic to how you would speak to another person. The way that I judge whether or not comedy is inappropriate is if you're talking about Irish people, if you're talking about black people, would you say that same joke if they were in the room? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think you you have to be black or have to be Irish because when I speak to my black friends, of course I talk to them about black issues. When I speak to my Irish friends, of course I speak to them about Irish issues. And I should do because that's what it means to be a friend. And every great revolution needed an yeah. outsider to help the revolution succeed. And I, I think people need outsiders to show empathy because at the end of the day, race is fake. We are, it's a construct. We are all human beings first. And that's, that's how we should, that's what's going to be most healing is when, when we all think of ourselves as human beings first. I said this to one of my friends the other day that it, the, the news has created a problem by listing all crimes by race first. Black man does this, Latino man does yeah. that. It, it should be by, by the cause of the crime. Man without health care robs bank. Boy who's been physically abused attacks the police. You know what I mean? Mentally ill old man thinks he's still president of the United States. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's the way That could be a few of them. That could be a few of them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was jumping back and forth between a few of them. But uh, no, I, I think you're right. And I, I know when, when the Laughter Lounge, the Dark Knight comedy night is coming up, it's not going to be, you know, if you're wondering, is it just going to be profanities and people's screaming abuse in your face no of course not I said the best comedy can be that that again delicately and and masterfully touches on those I think uh, points and as you said we like to sweep under the rug I mean we're brilliant at sweeping things under the carpet in this country and someone like yourself and whoever else might just be peeking over going what did we put in under here now hang on a second let's go so if you're listening and you want to check it out um, head on over to the Laughter Lounge's page and Tamir is on um, with a load of other insanely good comedians um, but do check it out it's on the 23rd of November at 9pm it's streaming on the 23rd of November at 9pm for one night only by the way which would be brilliant and, and I like that because you know adds a bit of adds a bit of suspense to it but um, apart from that gig which you should go and check out where can people um, find you online because you've uh, you've been gigging all over Europe and uh, are you doing any more Irish dates? hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. I'm actually, I come to Dublin quite often. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And a lot, several of my best friends are Irish. So I, I make a point of coming to Ireland often. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be headlining a weekend in January in, uh, at Laughter Lounge. Oh, actually. So I'm going to be there live. And, uh, yeah, I come, I come regularly all across Ireland. So the best place to follow me is on Instagram and it's Tamer Cat. It's, uh, T-A-M-E-R-K-A-T. Uh, Instagram is the best and then I also have the website TamerKatan.com but uh, Instagram is where I post all my shows and stuff Brilliant. by the way the, we, we shot the intro to The Dark Knight at Wicklow Prison oh I saw that I was wondering where that was it's very good very terrifying yeah it was uh, so scary yeah <laughs> so again head on over to uh, the lounge follower uh, Tamer on um Tamar Cat on Instagram and all the usual places and be sure to check him out next time he's over and be sure to check out the November 23rd live streaming gig but listen man it's always a pleasure anytime you're back over give us a shout and delighted to have you on that's the deal I really appreciate that hey next time I'm there let me grab uh, buy you a beer don't tempt me there'll be one might turn into many <laughs> thanks very much man <laughs> thanks for having me appreciate it a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.